Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. I just want to go da-da or da-da-da. Doesn't it, like, let's do that together. I just feel like it needs that, a da-da-da. That's pretty good right there. Man, I'm telling you. So I'm going to say something. Y'all are going to laugh, but this is true. This is going to be my new favorite series because we're going, to, we're going to talk about these epic things. And epic means anything big or anything, you know, like, like spectacular. It could be about, a, you know, a human. It could be about an event. That was an epic event. But we're going to look at the Bible, and I think it's eight characters that were epic in what they did. Now, we're not looking at them just so we can go, well, that's a really cool story because a lot of times people are filled with stories. And I said this last week, we're overtaught and underchallenged. What we're gonna do in this series is we're gonna look at what they have put into lots of those things that they, that they did and what made them epic and then go, okay, how can I put those in my life? How can I walk through this, this life with those epic things in my life? And so, as was just said, uh, we're gonna look at Moses. Now, I wanna kind of set the stage for this because it's really important. Back last January, I think it was 2020 January, I went on my sabbatical. And part of my sabbatical was to read about 10 or 12 books. And so I took a college class or two. I took actually two college classes, but I read a bunch of books. And one of the books that was suggested that I read by one of my counselors was the book by, Running with, uh, by John Maxwell called Running with the Giants. And he paints this picture, and I want to kind of paint this picture, and it's based on Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You can go there in your spare time. Uh, There's going to be a lot of extra reading probably over there. And as a matter of fact, we're going to have these books in the next couple of weeks for sale because everything that we're talking about, all the characters that are in this book are actually the characters that we talk about week to week. So it's going to be a really good book. I think they're like, I don't know, $68 or something like that, payable to Bobby, and then we can... No, it's not payable to body. So we're going to take a look. But, but, but he paints a picture, Hebrews chapter 13. It says there's a great cloud of witnesses. Think about that. And, and he, he paints this picture of this Colosseum. And, and let's say we've gone on, we're, we're with Jesus now. But right before we get to be with Jesus, we're walking around this Colosseum. We're on the track of the Colosseum. And, and there's this great cloud of witnesses. There's these great people. There's like, you see, you see Elijah and Enoch and you see, you see David and you see Peter and you see Paul. All these characters are in this Colosseum. And one by one, they walk down and they have a conversation with you. Can you imagine that? And the very first character that walks down is Moses. And he's telling you the story about like, do you know how, how, you know what happened when I was born? Like when I was born, I was put, I was put in a basket and I was put in the river Nile with all the, 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 the crocodiles and I was left there to die, but God had a bigger plan and, and my mom had a bigger plan and my sister had a bigger plan. Like it's amazing the story, the epic story. And he's telling you all this stuff. And then he leaves you with maybe three or four or five, just here's some things you have to do in your life. And today I'm going to leave you with five of those things that Moses would say to us. Now, I want to go back, okay? So uh, 430 years, the nation of Israel is in captivity to this man named Pharaoh, okay, for 430 years. Now, God's people are the Israelites, and God wants to take care of the Israelites. Now, it's just, just kind of a point that that's not, we're not going to talk very much about today, but there's some times in our lives that God puts us in places that maybe are a little bit uncomfortable, and sometimes we try to run too fast to get, for the, get away from those things, but just maybe God's put us in those for a purpose. So for 430 years, they're in captivity to Pharaoh. 
God starts to speak to Moses, who's going to be the, the leader of Israel. And he said, I want you to do some really great miracles. I would call them tricks, but there's not a sleight of hand here. So the first thing, he walks up to Pharaoh, and he has this staff. We, we, we hear the story of Moses. One of the things that's synonymous with the story is that he has a staff. Well, he takes the staff and he takes it out of his cloak and he throws it on the ground. Pharaoh's in the presence of Moses and it turns into a snake. And I'm going, no, 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 no. Because how many people like snakes in this room? None of us. Well, then he reaches back down, puts it in his cloak and it turns back into a staff. Uh, Pharaoh wasn't impressed. Like my, my, my sorcerers can do all that kind of stuff. And so he said, you know something, I got one better. What we'll do is I'm gonna pull that same staff and Aaron's gonna pull out his staff and we're gonna have these plagues come. And so he would raise his, his, his staff up and, and hail would come down. He would cast his staff over the river and it would turn to blood. My all-time favorite one is, is the plague of frogs, right? Frogs are my favorite one. I love when Moses goes to him and he says, listen, you can get rid of these frogs anytime you want. And Pharaoh is so much like us when God says, I want the sin to come out of your life. I want you. And he says, okay, we can do it, but let's do it tomorrow. That's just like us, right? Like, I'm not going to deal with this today. I'm going to deal with it tomorrow. I'm going to deal with my, my struggles tomorrow. And so all this stuff's going on and still not getting Pharaoh's attention. Pharaoh's not believing that there's a true God. Well, then God says, okay, Moses, go to him and tell him that I'm going to kill all the firstborn of the, of the children of, of the nation of Egypt. And he said, you tell the children of the nation of Israel, the parents, to put the blood on the doorpost and the, and the top post. And it's what we see and know as the first Passover. It's the Passover of the death angel passed by all the firstborn. And when we see that Jesus actually became that sacrificial lamb, that, that he is our Passover lamb now, that he, he painted his blood on our lives on a doorpost, on a cross, a wooden cross, so we could be passed over and we could pass from this life to the next life. Somebody should say amen to that, that we don't have to go through the death angel. We don't even have to go through death. We go through the valley of the shadow of death. Isn't that powerful? I, I've never been afraid of a shadow. I've never, we're like, ooh, that's, ooh, that's scary. No, I, I only go through the shadow of death. And then, all of a sudden, Pharaoh's going, okay, maybe this God is serious, so I'm going to let him go. I'm going to let all, I think it was 600,000 Israelites. The problem with this is that was his workforce. They were slaves. They were literally using the, the, the Israelites to do all the work in Egypt. So anything that had to be done with the, with the great pyramids or anything that was going on in, in, in the community was done by these, by these 600,000 slaves that were Israelites. And then they get out, he, he lets them go, and you know, the story, Pharaoh, let my people go. That one, y'all you all know that one? You ever sing that song in church? I didn't, because I didn't grow up in church. But, so he lets them go. And I can, I can, I can imagine the picture, can you, can you imagine this? They get out of ways, and, he, and, and Pharaoh goes, okay, so somebody start moving those blocks, and there's nobody to move the blocks. Somebody start doing this over here, and there's nobody to do that over there. And all of a sudden, he starts to kind of scratch his head. Now, who's going to do work? I'm not going to do work. These, these Egyptians are lazy. They're not going to do the work. We've got to get the Israelites back. So he sends 600 chariots after them. Could you imagine that? 600 chariots. And we, we kind of get to the story. It's the most important. Today's epic story is you have the Israelites that are sitting right at the front of the Red Sea. The Red Sea is right in front of them. And they have the Egyptians coming behind them. It's the typical, what we've heard before, we're between a rock and a hard place, aren't we? Now, I'm going to ask a question. Anybody ever been or felt like they were at a Red Sea or a rock between a rock and a hard place? You feel like you can't, you're like, like if, 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 if something doesn't miraculously happen. And here's one thing that I want everybody to know. The Israelites were right where God wanted them. Amen. They were right where God was about to do something if they didn't run. And we're going to see in the story a little bit later that they want to go back. And God's like, no, 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 no. That's not the way it's going to work. 
Here's the first thing I want everybody to understand. If you've ever gone through a Red Sea experience, we need to recognize in the midst of all our struggles and our problems and our trials and our Red Sea, we need to recognize God's purpose in the midst of your problem because every problem has a purpose. If you, if you look at it with the eyes of God's doing something, and what is God trying to teach me? Every one of them, even though God doesn't cause everything to happen, I want you to know this, that he's in the midst of everything that's happening. He may not have caused it, but he knows how to relinquish the problem. He knows how to, he knows how to take care of the problem over and over in our lives. And, 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 and the two things we see in this story right away, the Red Sea. And listen, I'm not gonna, I'm, like, if you don't know the end of the story, I don't think, like, I don't think I'm gonna like, like, wow, you just blew it because I didn't know. They cross over on dry ground. If you've never heard the story, it's miraculous. They walk across, it's epic. They, they walk across, but in the process of it, there were some things that God wanted them to learn. Here's the first thing I think that God wanted them to learn. God wants us to learn. Here's the first thing. I believe in the midst of the struggle, God wants to get the glory for everything that he does. It's not because he needs it. It's because that's how his name is made famous in the world that we live in. It's not by us getting the glory. That's why we say it around here all the time. It's not about the, the little J, it's about the big J. It's, about the, it's not about the little kingdom. It's not about our kingdom. It's about the big kingdom. And, and that's why we say all the time, we want to make Jesus' name famous in the world we live in. Because ultimately, in our lives, our lives make him famous. I love the way it says it. If you read um, the, uh, Exodus chapter 14, 4, if you have a Bible, turn to Exodus 14. We're going to stay in Exodus 14 the whole day. We're not going to deviate it from it at all. And it says this in verse 4. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will get the, what does it say? I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. The ultimate, maybe you're at a Red Sea impasse. Maybe you're right there at the Red Sea because God wants to bring glory to his name through something that you're going through. Here's the second thing. I believe Red Sea experience teach us to trust him. I believe there's times in our lives where God puts us or allows certain things to happen so we can go, you know something? I can't do this on my own. There is no way that this, I, I can't go through that Red Sea. There's no way I can get through that. There's no, there's no, because Red Sea, what happens is, and, 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 and think about the Red Sea that you may be facing. That Red Sea, maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a problem with your kids, whatever is that Red Sea, maybe they're for a purpose that God will get glory and you'll learn to trust him more. A few years ago, um, and I'm not gonna give you um, all the little small details, but um, my, we were pregnant probably about 30 years ago, 28 years ago or so, and we had a miscarriage. And so we get pregnant, we, she gets pregnant again, Gina gets pregnant again. I love it when guys say we get pregnant, because anyway. So she gets pregnant. And this is the day, if you're under the age of, how many people are under the age of about 30 in the room? Raise your hand. So a few of them. So there's this thing years ago, they were called pagers. Anybody remember pagers? Anybody have a pager? Remember when you used to send the cryptic messages on the pager? You'd flip it upside down and would say something else. You know? Shell oil was the big one. Now I remember. Like, I don't know why we were sending anybody shell oil, but the shell oil was the one. That but so I'm sitting in the deer stand in September. I'm sitting in the deer stand down in Renz, Georgia, and I, my pager goes off. And I don't remember what the code is. I'd be lying to you to tell you I remember the code, but it was a code from my wife that she was going into labor. She worked at the hospital. She was literally going to walk from one building, the, the green building at Doctor's Hospital, right across. So her trip was a really easy trip. 
I was flying home. I have my camouflage on. I smell like deer pee. I've got to go. I've got to go stop and I've got to go get a shower, right? Because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be going, okay, baby, breathe, breathe, breathe. You know, because we did that, 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 whatever that, the Lamaze, no, that's CPR. The, the, <laughs> we did the Lamaze class, right? We did the Lamaze thing. So we're, so I, I, I get there and, and I'm, okay, baby, breathe. Well, I, I made a mistake. And anybody that's thinking about having children, if you haven't had them already, do not eat a roast beef sub from Baldino's with extra onions on it before your spouse goes into labor because she says dirty words when that happens. So, so out of my face. And so, and she said it in Jesus name, but it was just weird, really weird. But so we're sitting there and all of a sudden, remember in my mind, my framework, we had a Red Sea where we lost a child. All of a sudden, um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but we watched the numbers all of a sudden start to fall on the heartbeat. And we, we watched the blood pressure start to fall. And there was this franticness, this calm chaos that was going on in the room because you could tell something was happening, but you couldn't tell what was happening. They weren't letting us know. And so all of a sudden I saw, and I'm pretty sure when zeros come up, that's not good. And I saw zeros. In my mind, all I could think about was a couple years ago. Even though we didn't get that far, all I could think about is I got a red sea in front of me. And I prayed a super simple prayer. It's kind of like the prayer in Mark chapter four. I don't know if you've ever read the story, but there's a storm that comes and Jesus' disciples are on the top of the boat and Jesus is down in the bottom of the boat and Jesus is sleeping on a cushion. He's just hanging out. And they're running around like crazy. And this is the prayer. Don't you even care if we die? And so I didn't have time for a King James prayer. I didn't have time for a big long prayer with three points and a poem in it. All I had time for was a prayer that just said, God, you're God. Can you do something? Can you do something? And I remember at that moment, and it's not preacher talk, all the numbers started going back up. Something medical happened. They said it was fairly common, but to me, it wasn't fairly common. To me, it was a Red Sea. And I remember I learned two things that day, that God is always in control. Regardless of how bad it looks, regardless of how big the Red Sea is, regardless of what the circumstances you're going, God is always in control. And then at that, I remember a story, and let, I'm going to fast forward 20, Bethany is 26 years old, so fast forward 25 years, 24 years now. My daughter is a, a photographer, and she's taking pictures of Allison as she's having her babies. Of course, she said this is perfect birth, birth control, <laughs> taking pictures but walks up a lady named Lillian. She goes, Pastor Bobby, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. Do I know who you are? She said, I've delivered all your children. And I was there in the room the day you delivered Bethany. And I was praying that God would get you through that situation. Don't tell me God's not in control. Don't tell me God doesn't put people in our spots right at the midst of that Red Sea. They're at the Red Sea. They're right there at that moment and they're looking at it. They're going, what are we gonna do? Recognize God's purpose in the situation, regardless of what it is. Here's the second thing. When faced with an impossible situation, retain God's perspective on that situation. Get God's perspective. Ask him, what is his perspective? Go, God, what are you trying to teach me in this? What's the possibilities that this may be bigger than me? 
They said in verse 11, they said to Moses, it's because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. We have, what have you done uh, uh, to us, bringing us out of Egypt? It's not, it, 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 it not, is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians for it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. The funny thing is they're given two options. You see the perspective change? The God of the universe got them out of everything and they put this, you know, the Red Sea. And right away, the first thing that happens is like, well, we would have been better off dying way back here. Or, 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 or like, I, I would have rather worked. Here's the deal. God had no intentions of doing either one of those. They weren't gonna die in the wilderness and they weren't gonna die in Egypt because he wasn't coming to get them, to kill them. He was coming to get them because he needed his workforce back. He was gonna put them back to work. And here's a, just kind of a side note, if you want to know anything about Journey, this story right here is why we don't vote at Journey. Because I believe if they would have taken a vote right there, they'd have gone back to Egypt. They would have said, you know something, all in favor, I don't care if it was a secret ballot or raising their hands, they would have gone, we want to go back to Egypt because perspective change. There's only two times there's a vote in the Bible. This is one of them potential vote. And in Acts chapter 15, there's a story in reference to trying to figure out whether the Gentiles, us, can be allowed in the church. And, and Peter says, no, no, we're not taking a vote in this situation. This is my perspective that we should make it as easy as possible for all the Gentile believers to come in. Here's the deal. They had a, a misunderstanding of perspective of what actually was going on. It would be better a slave. They weren't going to be in the desert. They weren't going to die out there. And they weren't going to die back in Egypt. This shows, this story, this part our tendency to lose God's perspective on a situation. Too, 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 too often, we are confronted with an impossible situation. Rather meet it head on, we look for the easy way out. How many times, think about that. You've had a Red Sea in front of you, and you're trying to figure the escape route out. How can I get around this whole situation? And you know what I find out? Here's the truth. Take this one to the bank. If you don't confront it then, you'll confront it sometimes. There will be another time in your life where you brought back to that Red Sea, that same situation. And until you go across with God's power, you'll keep fighting that Red Sea. You'll keep coming up against that Red Sea every time it happens. I want you to do a little study for me today. When you get home, I want you to pull your Bible out. You can pull the Bible app out, the YouVersion Bible app, if anybody uses that. You can get on Bible Gateway. If you are old school and you have an analog Bible and an analog concordance, I want you to look up this little phrase, but God. But God, just look it up. Over 50 times in the Bible, uh, depending on your, whatever translation you use, 50 times it says, but God. But God, when they were in front of the Red Sea, when, when, they, when, when Nehemiah was told to build a wall and they didn't know how to build a wall, but God did something. Every time in the Bible where people have come up against some type of Red Sea experience, there's been a but God moment. How about you in your life? When's the last time you said, you know something, I'm against this wall, I've got, I'm between a rock and a hard place, but God is about to do something spectacular. It's about our perspective in life. It's about our perspective on our problems. It's interesting because I believe we don't realize, I think we know it deep down inside of our knowers, but we don't live it. We know that God wants what's best for us. Somebody say amen to that. But we don't always believe it, do we? We know it, but we don't believe it. Uh, it's interesting. A couple of years ago, back in 2019, it started probably in February or March. Um, it was um, probably one of the worst years that I've ever had. Um, we had some family stuff going on. We had some stuff going on around the church. And it was one of those, I, I just, I was really struggling. And for 30 years, I've 
wrote in a journal. I don't know how many people journal, but I write in a journal. And it used to be papers. I've got boxes and boxes of paperwork in my office that are just notes that I wrote. Um, now it's easier because of iPads and, you know, the, the things, the tablet that Jesus used. Amen. Apple. We won't get in this argument again. It's in the Bible. That's all I got to say. It's in the Bible. Um, so two years ago, I, I started wrote, writing and I you can put a heading and you can make a bold print on the heading. And I wrote this, things will get better. Things will get better. And then I started writing and it was, it was, it was just random stuff. Like, you know, some of it was health stuff. Some of it was family stuff. Some of it was church stuff. Some of it was just what was going on in our culture. And I wrote all these things down and I decided to put two letters next to them. I was either going to put a T next to them or a P next to them. And I started going through them, and as they've worked themselves out, I don't have any P's on any of the list. And I'm talking about there's hundreds of things on this list. There's lots of T things, though. Let me tell you what T and P stand for. P stands for permanent. T stands for temporary. And everything on my list, things are going to get better, I have a T next to. And so whether it was a health situation or a family situation or it was a church situation or it was just a life situation, I realized that everything in this life, if we have the right perspective, is, is temporary. My dad used to say all the time, Bobby, don't fret the small stuff. And in life, everything is the small stuff. In the light of eternity, in the light that I get to spend with Jesus the rest of my life, everything is really temporary. Even, even the Bible says that this life is but a vapor. We get 70 or so years, maybe 80. Lucky if we're 90, it's temporary. Eternity is a really long time. And what happened here with the, with the Israelites is they lost perspective of how things... Here's what we think. We think we get knocked down, and it's actually we think we get knocked out. What's it? Second Corinthians says we are afflicted in every way. Tell me this is not... Hasn't been our perspective at times. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed, are we? Perplexed, confused sometimes, but we're not driven to despair. Somebody say amen to that. There's always hope. See, the problem is we don't understand that there's this thing called faith and hope. And our circumstances sometimes leave us without both of those. But I'm, I'm telling you, you need both. You need the substance of things hoped for but not yet seen, and, and, and then, you know what happens? We're, we're active in this right here, this faith element. We're, we're asking God to answer prayers. But there's also a hope element, isn't there? That we know God's going to do something. We just, we haven't seen him do it yet. And, and, and that's why it's so important. Let's go back to that. So we're afflicted on every, uh, in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down. You may be, you may be down on the ground, but you're not, you're not knocked out. You're not out. You're not down for the count. The Red Sea you're facing right now, the Red Sea I'm facing right now, can I tell you something? Be careful the labels that you put on your Red Sea because the labels we put on it are permanent or it's gonna end this way or this is what's gonna happen. Let me give you another thing. In the, in the midst of all of our circumstances, I believe as we're walking around the track, Moses would whisper in our ear and he would say, rely on God's promises to see you through. Rely on God's promises, every one of his promises. And he makes promises in this passage right here. Let me ask you a question. I, I do need a show of hands on this one. If I was going to tell you, and I could guarantee you, um, uh, the circumstances would end a certain way, but you had to do a certain thing, 
How many people would think really hard through that certain thing to make sure that the certain situation would end positively? How many people would think about it? At least think about it. So if I told you, if you have financial problems, if I told you, I can eliminate all your financial problems, but you're going to have to dig ditches for six months, how many people would dig, you'll have the nicest house, you'll have all this stuff. How many people would dig ditches for six months if you knew the guarantee that you were going to be successful on this side? How many people would do it? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. This is not a trick. If you don't raise your hand... We have a group for you, <laughs> right? Everybody, if it was guaranteed. Now, I know you're going to think I'm an idiot when I say, but the, the situation that you're in right now, the situation, it's guaranteed that God's going to shine through that situation. I'll make you a promise. It may not end like you want it to end. It may not, it, it, the, the, the steps may not be the same, but it's going to be best for you and for everything in the kingdom. The, the Red Sea makes you feel at times hopeless, helpless, and uncertain. It made them feel it. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never, ever, 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 ever see again. It didn't happen yet, right? They were just hoping it was good. It didn't happen yet. And they said, the Lord will fight for you and, and you have only to be silent. So there's two promises. I don't know if you got them. I want you to write these down if you have a Bible, a, a, a pen and paper. He promises that the problem will be completely eradicated. He says, I'm going to wipe out all 600 chariots. Everybody's on them. I'm going to wipe them all out. How many times have we stood in the promises going, God, you know something? You said that he who began a good work in me is able to complete it. I'm going to stand on your word that that problem in front of me, you're going to take care of it. You're going to eradicate that problem. You're going to eradicate that, 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 that enemy. You're going to eradicate the people that are coming. To, oh, I, I, I wrote something the other day and I almost put it on Facebook and then my inner filter came out. I'm getting older. But I almost wrote, I almost wrote out, you don't have to tell your side of the story. Time will. And you know what I'm realizing? God's eradicating some issues in my life and I never had to say a word. I didn't have to jump on anybody. I didn't have to have any keyboard courage. God's just doing it the way because he promises he's gonna eradicate that situation. You know what else he promises? He's gonna fight for you. He's gonna fight for you. And I can't think of anybody, I can't think of anybody else that I would want fighting for me in the circumstances of my life but Jesus. I want him fighting. I want him, I want him being my rear guard. I want him being my front. I want him also. Here's what you can depend on. You ready? You can depend on this. He said, fear not. Now you're going, Pastor Bobby, that's a lot easier, you know, said than none. Like all of us wake up in the morning, not all of us, some of us wake up in the morning, and the first thing that pounces on us is not our cup of coffee, it's fear. But you know I have a choice how I'm gonna deal with that fear. I can either give into it and let it let it fester in me all day, or I can, I can say, you know something? He who began a good work is able to complete it. I, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. He, you know, anxiety and depression and, and all those confusions, all that. I can, in the name of Jesus, I can conquer these things. He, he says, fear not. He says, stand firm. You know what you can't do? You can't fight an enemy when you're running the opposite direction. As a matter of fact, in the, in the biblical times, when they were in war, they would have all this armor and all the armor was on their front. But guess what? If they were to turn around, they were vulnerable and wide open. As long as they were fighting forward, they were fine. When they started fighting backwards and running, he says, stand firm. And then the last thing he says is be still. Now, I want you to understand when he says be still, when, when be still is talked about in the Bible, it doesn't mean we don't do anything. It means we stand quiet. 
It means we're not allowing the commotion of the situation to impact and infect our brain. We're putting our minds, we're setting our minds on things above, not on things, our circumstances. So when, we're gonna, when we have an issue in front of us, a Red Sea, are we doing those things? Are we understanding we don't have to fear? Are we understanding we can stand? Are we understanding we can be still? Here's another one. When we're faced with impossible situations, we need to learn to rest in God's protection. Rest in God, not ours. When the Israelites first began their journey, the Bible says they were led by, cl- by a cloud by day, and at night they were led by a pillar. Now, it's interesting in this story, something takes place that I'll guarantee if a lot of us were in this circumstance, we would have done the exact same thing. Now watch this. Then the angel of God, who was going, this is verse 19, who was going before the host of Israel, moved, just stop right there. I knew you were going to leave me, God. I knew knew you didn't have my back. I, I knew, I knew once you got us here, you were going to trick us. It was that carrot in front of us. And so everything that was leading them, the, the, the cloud that was leading them, the, 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 the pillar of fire that was leading, all of a sudden, it's gone. They don't see it in front of them anymore. What they didn't realize is they didn't have the, they didn't have the privilege of reading what we're reading six or seven or 8,000 years later, thousands of years later. And then what it says here, the whole story moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved before them and stood behind them coming between the host of, the Egypt, uh, host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and the darkness, and it lit the night without one coming near the other all night. It means this. And it's, it's, there's, a, there's a natural thing that's happening here, and there's a spiritual thing. In the desert, it's hot. Anybody ever been to a desert? Hot. Anybody ever been to Georgia? Hot. We pray for clouds in Georgia, don't we? Playing golf and it's 105 and that cloud comes over, it goes 104. Man, we're putting a jacket on, right? Something's going on. So the cloud served as a natural protection against the sun in the desert. Now, I don't know if you know this, in a desert, it gets cold at night. And so what happened is that pillar of fire also kept them warm. And so there was protection natural, but also it provided a buffer where the Egyptians didn't even know where the Israelites were. I want you to know something. I don't know what it looks like for all of us, but God is putting a buffer. God has put a buffer between you and the enemy. Nobody will understand it, but nobody can get through it. And that's a fact. We sang that song this morning. We sang, man, the songs this morning were on point. But I was thinking about it. The name of Jesus, darkness trembles. Maybe instead of saying all the other words we say to our problems, maybe we start needing to say the name of Jesus to our problems. The angel withdrew and went to the back. I don't know what kind of problem or issue or Red Sea you're facing. We all face them. And I'm going to make a statement, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm being, I'm not trying to be insensitive. But we have all heard the statement, things could be worse, haven't we? How many people know that's true? That things could be worse. It's not a joke. There's no joke here, okay? But I can promise you, with God on your side, you'll be able to handle them. Lindsay said something to me several years ago. I think it was after a funeral. It was after a moment. And we were talking about the statement that people make. And they say, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not a true statement. God will never give you more than he can handle. And he can handle everything. Every situation that's going on in your life, every Red Sea that's coming, every situation, every, every problem, he can handle it. Somebody say amen to that. 
And then the last thing, in the midst of all the struggles, in the midst of all your problems, your Red Sea, reach for God's power. Reach out to God. I love, this is my favorite, favorite part of the story. It says, verse 16, he says, lift, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. I'm going to say a bold statement. I think God wants to deliver every one of us from our Red Sea experiences in his time. But one of the things they had to do is the Bible says that they had to stretch out. Moses had to stretch out. Aaron had to stretch out his hands. And it wasn't until he stretched out his hand did the Red Sea part. It wasn't until he stretched out his hand that, that the, the, the plagues came. It wasn't until he stretched out his hand that it turned from a, a staff to a snake. And I believe our problems, our Red Seas are there to stretch us, to give us faith in the midst of our struggles, to give us faith in the midst of our problems. I think God wants to see if we're willing to step out, if we're willing to stretch out our hands. And see, there wasn't some magical thing in the, in the staff. It just represented God's power. And then we have God's power now. It's right here in this book. And how many times have we ever stretched out our hand with God's, God's word and stretched out our hands and said, you know something? Your word says contrary to what the world says. Your, world, your, your word says this, that you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. That's what your word says. And the world is telling you all kinds of other things. The world's telling you that, that, you're, that you're worthless and God's saying, I died on the cross that you are my workmanship. You're created in good, uh, in, in, to do good works. We need to learn to stretch out what God has given us in our hands and watch what happens to those Red Seas. The staff wasn't magic. Every time they lifted it up. I love what A.W. Tozer says. And it's an amazing statement. And I want you to think about something. Good, anything God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. That same God that opened the sea so the Israelites could go on dry ground is the same God that we serve today. So that means the same God that did those things back then, he'll do it again. He'll do it in our lives. He'll do it in, in your kids' lives. He'll do it in, in the cancers. He'll do it in the struggles that we have. He'll do it again because he wants to do it again but he's waiting to see if we'll have the faith to stretch it out. I'm gonna make you another promise. I want you to shut your eyes for a second. I want you to bow your heads for a second. Maybe you've never heard how this story ends or maybe the only time you've ever heard this story was maybe Prince of Egypt or maybe the old, the old Ten Commandments one. Or, but I want you to listen to these words. I want you to listen to them very carefully and I want you to take these as your promises today, as how you're gonna face and how you're gonna beat the Red Sea. Take them as Moses telling you the story as you're walking around that Colosseum and he's whispering in your ear about your Red Sea. Then Bobby, I stretched out my hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters being a wall to them to their right hand and their left. The Egyptians pursued Bobby. 
they went in after us. They went into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, all his chariots, all his horsemen. In the morning, we watched the Lord, pillar of fire, a cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic. It clogged their chariot wheels, so they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them and against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to me, stretch out your hand, Moses, over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. So that's what I did. I stretched my hand out over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course. When the morning appeared, and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed me in, followed us in. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel, God's people, walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. Bobby, that's the God I serve. Father, as we look at this story, it's epic. But it's not epic without a purpose. It's epic with a purpose. And what you want to teach us is the same way you reached out to the Israelites, the same way you led and guided Moses, is the same way you want to lead and guide us. Every Red Sea looks different. Every Red Sea in this room, every Red Sea at Sherwood right now looks different. Every Red Sea of people watching online, every Red Sea of the people that are sitting in our atrium right now, every Red Sea looks different. For some, it's a battle and a custody of your children. For some, it looks like a divorce. For some, it looks like a sickness. For some, it looks like a marriage that's gone bad. For some, it's a job. Whatever it looks like. God, can we trust you enough to believe that you're gonna do something great? That you're gonna let us walk through on dry ground? That you're not gonna leave us? You're not gonna forsake us? You haven't left us in the wilderness to die. You've not left us in the middle of the Red Sea for the enemies to attack us. You have put us in this position for a reason so we can lift your name up so you can be glorified and we can learn to trust you more. And maybe for some in this room, it's the first time they've ever heard words like this, like trust. I just want you to hear me. If that's you, if you're watching online, if you're at Sherwood, if you're in our Evans campus. For me, it was back in the 1983 I first heard somebody say about putting my trust in Jesus. The first Red Sea I had to get over was sin. It was me. It was my issues. And for, for some in this room today, maybe that's, that's where you're at right now. Maybe that Red Sea is a sin issue. And I encourage you just to do one thing. Give it all to Jesus. Let him take control of your life. Number one in your life. Say, I'm gonna move to the other seat. I'm gonna let you control my life. I'm gonna give you everything about me. I'm going I'm to believe that you're going to cleanse me and you're going to move me. Father, I pray that in this moment there's a ray of sunshine coming down and we're seeing what the Red Sea really can become. And that's a passage of freedom and liberty. They left 
what they were enslaved to in a Red Sea and came out on the other side, brand new creations. Father, I thank you for that. Thank you for every story we're gonna read that we would learn something from you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.